Okay, well, some of these ones that we've been covering, while well, it's cool to learn about and helps us understand our Bible better, sometimes you're like, what do I do with this, though? Like, what does this mean for today? And, you know, like, giants were once around. What am I... It's great, Jamin. What does that change my life or anything? Well, I hope that you've realized some of the ways in which it can kind of help mold your thinking and change your life just through some of the themes and elements that come up. But today's should really change your life because there were certain people throughout the Bible who were like souped-up versions of human beings. Uh, They could do things that no other human beings could do because they had power deposited into them to do such things. And that sounds a little weird to us, but once you pay attention to a lot of the stories in the Bible, you see such things happen. One of the first people to get a gift from the Holy Spirit is, uh, can't even remember his name, super weird, like a holy ab or something like that. <laughs> but the first like spiritual gift that you see in the Bible is the gift of craftsmanship. When it's time to build God's tabernacle, his tent, God says, I have gifted this man with uh, the wisdom to know how to craft the things I'm going to need in the tabernacle. This tabernacle is supposed to be like a new Eden. God rested in Eden. Now they're building this kind of mobile tent version of Eden where God will rest in that. And as they go around, they'll take God with them as he also leads them. The angel of the Lord in this pillar of fire moving forward for them to look for and chase after. Um, But since this is just not any ordinary tent, since it's not just any ordinary um, space, but God is going to rest in it, The people who build it need to have the wisdom to know how to do it. So this guy's gifted with the gift of craftsmanship, a kind of craftsmanship that's implied in the Bible. Like he wouldn't have had that wisdom had God not given it to him. He wouldn't have known what to do or perhaps have known the sacredness with which he was doing without the Holy Spirit's help. So he's empowered for a job. That doesn't sound like super crazy to us, but, you know, sometimes it makes me wonder in today's life, like someone's crafting something or writing a song or creating something, who knows? Maybe God can gift you in these ways. Paul gives a bunch of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, but I don't think they're exhaustive because his lists keep changing every time he says it, which implies like sometimes he's remembering other gifts. Oh yeah, and this gift over here. And other times he's remembering others. So he's just kind of listing gifts. So you may have gifts in your life that you'd be like, I can't quite find that in the Bible. But it's possible that there is some spiritual gifting to that. Uh, Testing, I think, can kind of help figure that out. But this isn't the only guy who gets empowered. There's other weird moments of these souped-up human beings. At one point, Moses is like, I can't lead these people alone. It's just impossible. And he's given the advice, why don't you go find 70 other helpers, bring them all together, and God will empower them for the job. So they all get together, and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes on them, and these 70 elders begin to prophesy. Then the Bible is very clear. It's like, but they didn't continue to do it. In other words, for a moment, they were anointed for a task. For a moment, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit for a task. Now, it wasn't such an anointing that the Holy Spirit was just going to stay on them forever, But they were given the empowerment for the leadership that they were about to take on. It's a strange story. So there's strange stories too. 
like if you were going to be God's king over Israel, it wasn't expected that you were just some person. You needed God's empowerment for the job. And so Saul, he's the first king over Israel. God comes, his Holy Spirit comes and begins to empower him. And that one's a weird story. Samuel just tells Saul, like, hey, you're going to go meet some prophets and God's going to do some stuff. He's going to turn you into a new man. Okay, well, kind of obscure. What does that mean? Saul goes out to this place where these prophets have been worshiping. And as they come down from their worshiping, they begin playing music. And suddenly the Bible's like, Saul took off all his clothes and laid naked on the ground. And it's like he's just stuck in a trance. Right? It's kind of weird. Holy Spirit, come. We pray that all the time. Now you're scared. Uh, <laughs> but that was like Saul's symptoms. It's not the only time it happened. There was another time when he was mad at David and he's like going to like kill him that he runs into these prophets and again like the Holy Spirit just comes even in the midst of his anger out to kill people and he's like no you know he just starts stripping and lies on the ground and, and begins to be in God's presence or something you know like it's hard to know what to do with that David he's a king and he knew that God's Holy Spirit worked through him and I think some of the ways in which you see that is the Psalms he wrote the songs that he sang we're not just ordinary songs. You've heard ordinary songs before, very cookie-cutter Jesus music where every Christian word that you could expect to hear is in there. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, there's nothing to this, right? These were not the kind of songs that David wrote. David would be writing and suddenly he's like prophesying about a man who's going to be pierced in his side on behalf of humanity. Like he moves from just ordinary lyrics to writing something down about the Messiah who will one day come and heal us. Like, you don't do that just out of your own ordinariness. He was souped up human being, the Holy Spirit working through him. And David knew the Spirit was working through him because David, at one point, one of his psalms is like, I've messed up. God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You've probably sang a song based off that psalm before in church. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Like, he understood, like, your Holy Spirit just comes and dwells on a few select people who you empower for the jobs that you call to do. I have him. You've called me to be a king, to be your anointed one. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me, even in the midst of my sin. And so you see these stories of people working with the Holy Spirit. And as you pay attention to the Old Testament, what you notice is the Holy Spirit has especially two things attributed to him. One, he's a creator. You know, as much as we don't talk about the Holy Spirit, he's in like verse one of the whole Bible, right? He's going across the ocean, uh, speaking life into existence. Uh, A lot of commentaries like to talk about how the word that's used about God hovering over the earth, spirit hovering over the earth is, is like a hen brooding over its egg. It's getting ready to hatch. It's getting ready to give life. So the Holy Spirit's known for bringing life. The Psalms talk about him giving life. I think Job talks about him giving life. Jesus is raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. So you see that the Holy Spirit is is a creator, just like God, because he is God. But you also see that he's God's empowerment and authority on people. And occasionally you catch glimpses of them throughout the whole test, Old Testament. The... Uh, um, The prophets, they're all working with the Holy Spirit. They can't just prophesy by their own selves. This is what makes uh, God's prophets different from the other prophets of the world. You'll see stories where 
kings are like, I don't even want to listen to my prophets because they're always lying to me. Uh, I want to know the real truth. And when the real truth comes to those kings, uh, it's often because uh, uh, someone with the Holy Spirit has come and said, here's, here's the interpretation to your dream, things like that. Joseph does that. Daniel does that. So there's these stories, these crazy stories where humans are doing things beyond human capacity. A lot of people think that Jesus was the only one who did crazy things, uh, but he's not. Even in the Old Testament, Elijah could call down fire from heaven. Elijah raised the dead. So did Elisha. Um, Elijah made food reproduce supernaturally. So it was just constantly there, just like multiplying loaves and fishes. Jesus wasn't the first people to do this. And anyone who knew the Old Testament at Jesus' time would be like, look, he's got the same power that Elijah had. Like, this guy's got the Holy Spirit on him. He's the souped-up human being. Um, So that's kind of a glimpse into the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit coming and creating and continuing to create, but the Holy Spirit coming and empowering us for things that we otherwise couldn't do. Some of those things seem kind of natural, like craftsmanship. Some of those things are supernatural, like calling fire down from heaven. (laughs) Not everybody can pull that off. But you start to see that even some of these natural things in reality are supernatural. I feel like maybe you've possibly had a moment where you've even come maybe across an instrumental song and you're just like, there's power in this. I don't really know how to explain it. Uh, I think of David. David would play his harp for King Saul when Saul was manifesting demons. And as he played his harp, the demons would, like, chill out. It was almost as though there was power in the very music he was playing. Part of the reason I take music so seriously at so many things I do, partially because I'm a worship leader, but partially because I see the Holy Spirit show up most in the churches that worship most. (laughs) I mean, if you go to a Pentecostal church, I've been there at a normal Pentecostal church here in town, where like two hours will go by of just worshiping and they seriously, they haven't even noticed. There's a lady up front on the ground with their breathing machine next to her, just like prostate on the floor. Prostate. (laughs) The other one. Prostrate on the floor. Very different things between the two. That's why I never use that word. But she's just laid out on the floor like with her breathing machine next to her. Why? Because she desires God so much. Guy in the back hardly has a voice because he's been singing in tongues for like two hours. But he still continues to do it. Like it doesn't shock me that when I'm in these spaces, God shows up. I mean, sometimes, yes, it's psychosis. Everyone's driven themselves to madness occasionally. Paul saw that happen too in the early church and told them not to be crazy, raving mad, because that's what the like false religions do. They get in this raving mad mode, but to do supernatural things nonetheless, but with order. Uh, interesting, Paul's note, by the way, to the Corinthians was not do things decently in order, so get rid of the supernatural stuff. Paul's statement to the Corinthians was, you guys do so much supernatural stuff, it's great, it's wonderful, but bring a little order to it so you don't look like psychos, okay? Because <laughs> if somebody else walks in who doesn't know Jesus and they see you all being psychos, they're going to leave. But if you go and prophesy over them, which to many of us sounds psychotic, 
But he's like, if you go and prophesy over these new people, then they'll believe in Jesus. So anyone who's like decent in order, get rid of the weird stuff. Paul was like, no, just make your weird stuff make sense with your service. Okay. Um, but you see these images of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. But it was always select people throughout the Old Testament. And it was always, uh, it was never intended to say like, this is permanent. This could leave. David had that fear. The 70 elders who were anointed knew that they prophesied for a moment but did not continue. But Joel gave a prophecy. Now my brother, he's prophesying yesterday, but this wasn't it. Uh, Joel gave this prophecy in the Bible where he said, one day there will be uh, a new thing that God's doing in which doesn't matter what social class you are, whether you're a king or a slave, man or woman, whatever the case may be, one day God has this plan that if you are following him, if you are one of his children, he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit on every single person following him. It's no longer temporary. It's no longer um, just a few select people, but his church will every single person be anointed with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to move in them different ways. For Bezalel and Aholiab, I might have finally got the words right, uh, it was in craftsmanship. But Paul's like, hey, over here, you might have the gift of prophecy. You might have the gift of tongues. And some of the ones he says sound normal. You might have the gift of generosity. Everybody loves that gift, right? I just can't wait to be generous, give all my money away. You might, you might have the gift of service. Now, some of these things, though, when you stop and you're like, okay, so I don't have the gift of service, so I don't have to serve. That's great, right? No, that's obviously not what Paul's saying either. Paul's leaving the space to say, look, it's just one Holy Spirit who gives all these gifts. So whether you have them or not, you'll know the specific things that you are anointed for. But whether you have other gifts or not, be open to them. Paul actually says, like, be eager to prophesy. Why? Because prophecy is one of the greater gifts. He sees the impact of prophecy being much higher than other gifts. And so he tells the church, like, I see you all speak in tongues. It's great. But nobody knows what you're saying. Okay? So when you get up on the stage and you take the mic and like, I would just like to give a word for a moment. You know, like, and just going forever. Paul's like, no more of that. If someone understands what you just said, cool, let them interpret. But if not... I would rather you say a few words that make sense than take up everyone's time saying nonsense. But Paul understood that there were other gifts that were more effective at all times. He's like prophecy. Prophecy is one of those because you're speaking in a language they know. You might go up to someone and say, I have a word. I feel like God's put it on my heart, just like the prophets had words in the Old Testament. I want to say it to you. And I've talked about it before. One of my favorites is uh, John Wimber on the plane. Uh, He helped start the vineyard movement um john wimber's on a plane he sees a guy walk on the plane and it says across his forehead adulterer he's like am i the only one seeing this like why does that man write that there and then he realizes like it's a supernatural thing that he's saying he's like okay i what am i supposed to do with that he says he suddenly feels god just kind of put into his heart like the name of the person that he's been sleeping with and so he just turns he doesn't give the person's name so i'll just make one up he turns he's like hey do you know sarah He's like, who are you? What are you, he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I just feel like I need to ask you that. He's like, let's go to the back because his wife was sitting next to him. 
They go to the back of the plane and he begins to tell him what he just saw. And if you're like me, you're thinking this is just going to explode and go horribly wrong. <laughs> the plane's going down. Someone's going to just go crazy. Instead, the guy just starts grieving and gives out this heart-wrenching prayer of asking God to forgive him. And he gets saved right there on the plane. And then he goes back to his wife and tells her while they're still on the plane. And she gets saved. Not Again, not what I'm expecting. And then they all get off the plane in the name of Jesus. I, you know, like... That is a weird moment, but Paul's like, do that in your church. <laughs> in fact, you know, like when we want new people to come in, we're like, hi, put on a smile. Would you sign this paper? It's great to see you. I love, let me walk you over. Like, we're just like trying to butter people up. Paul said, oh yeah, we need to be about people just walking in the doors. If someone comes in that, that you haven't met before, go and prophesy over them. <laughs> like, that's what he says. You'll expose the secrets of their heart. Okay, Paul. And they'll fall on their knees and worship God. Okay, Paul. (laughs) That makes us so uncomfortable. But that was Paul's understanding of a um, seeker-friendly church. (laughs) If you want the seekers to come to Christ, when you see them, I have a word for you. And it's not always, of course, going to be something as crazy as what I just shared. Because Paul then defines what prophecy is. He says it's exhortation, it's bringing comfort, uh, it's things like that. He uses all positive words to explain it. Uh, Yeah? What's exhortation? Exhortation would be like building someone up, encouraging them, consoling, things like that. So um, Paul sees positive words to prophecy. Prophecy isn't always easy, right? I mean... Paul was prophesied over that he was going to be persecuted. But for him, he was like, I know. And I feel that God's been calling me that sometime. And I'm ready to follow and give my life over for him if that's what he calls me to. He was fine with that. So prophecy isn't always easy per se. But it's a very powerful moment. That's not something humans do. You don't just like, I just feel like I'm bonding with you on a different level. And I can tell that you uh, got this going on. No, but you can have these moments where maybe you've had it before. It's like, I really need to call my friend today. I don't know why they've just been on my heart all day, but I need to make sure they're all right. And you call and you find out something horrible is going on and that they really needed to talk to you. I would suggest to you the possibility that's a prophetic moment. You didn't expect it. You just sensed something. You followed after it and you found out that there was legitimacy to it. A lot of people think that's a natural thing. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks the same way that you think. Paul talks about how you have your spirit in you that searches the depths of your heart, and you have God's spirit in you which searches the depths of God's heart. Or the ways you hear your spirit, those are the same ways you're going to hear God's spirit because they both kind of operate on the same tone. So if you're like me and you're a daydreamer, that's how you hear your spirit. Believe it or not, you bring God into the daydream you can actually start to practice to discern what might be God's spirit, what might be yours. And that is an avid place that I go to try to dwell with God. Um, But that's different for everyone. Uh, And some might say, well, I don't even have the gift of prophecy, so it doesn't matter because I can't operate in a gift like that that I don't have. Paul actually tells you to eagerly desire it on the chance that God might give it to you, even if you don't have it right now. You don't eagerly desire to play a piano by looking at it and say, one day I'll play that. Yeah. And then walk away, right? 
No, you have to start hitting keys, see what sounds right together. In the same way, I have to practice what prophecy might be like. God, if you can enter into my imagination and speak to me here, what would that sound like? Okay, I feel this. I'm going to offer that word. And they didn't react. God, that must have not been you. But I'll keep trying. God, I'm giving the space for you to speak. Oh, well, I'll give that word. Oh, they actually confirmed that. That made sense. Okay, I'm learning to prophesy. A lot of people think that words were just dumped in the prophets' heads. I don't think so. The prophets actually walked around in groups called the sons of prophets, which means they were working together. They were edifying one another. They had what sounds kind of like a school. Because if you're hanging out with people that do the same thing, if a bunch of musicians are hanging out, they're kind of going off each other. They're jiving off one another, teaching each other stuff that do, oh, here's what I do. Okay, imagine a bunch of prophets getting together who do all these same things. If I had that moment, I'm going to go to another prophet and be like, what do you do to hear God? <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, well, I get quiet and I kind of just sit for a while and listen and Sometimes a thought might come up that seems very odd, and I'll be like, I'm going to chew on that for a while. Okay, I'm going to try that. I think the prophets were growing, learning. Yeah, you have the mega prophets that really heard God well, but they were all growing and learning how to do this as the Holy Spirit empowered them to do it. Now, Jesus is the biggest example of what the Holy Spirit can do if you let him, okay? A lot of people look at Jesus, and when they look at the supernatural stuff that he did, they're like, I could never do that. I am just a human being. Jesus did all that because Jesus is God. Remember what we talked about last week? Jesus was already, already existed since the very beginning of time, right? But when he became human, the difference between this Old Testament angel of the Lord and this New Testament Jesus is that Jesus, rather than just like manifest in a moment, be like, here I am. Jesus actually had to subject himself to be born of pure humanity as the Holy Spirit empowered Mary to have a baby, right? <laughs> so I know this always sounds weird, but in this moment, uh, the Bible talks about uh, kenosis, the fact that when God became flesh, he had to set aside certain abilities to truly be human. And when we look at that, we're like, well, he must not have set aside very much because he still did a lot. No, if you pay attention, the gospel writers want you to know the things that Jesus did, he did because he had the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that happens at the beginning of three or four of your gospels is he gets baptized in water, and as he comes up, he receives the Holy Spirit. And if you know your Bible, like all these people standing around seeing this happen, they're like, he has that same spirit that empowered all the people of old. He's got that now. What can we expect to happen because of this? Jesus comes up. The Holy Spirit chases him out into a desert to be tested. Again, the power of the Spirit <laughs> chasing you into deserts. And he's tested for 40 days. He fasts for 40 days and he comes back and his family and everyone around him think he's crazy because the carpenter's boy who <laughs> used to, yeah, be kind of smart and ask all these crazy questions to religious people, but still a carpenter's boy. Suddenly he's got masses coming around him trying to touch him, trying to get healed, and the stories are getting around that apparently it's happening. Why is this weird? Why does his family think he's crazy and his brothers and sisters go to try to bring him home, the Bible says? It's because he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's received something new. He's become the souped-up humanity. But unlike us who get just one gift here and there, 
Jesus is like the prototype to show you if you had every single gift, <laughs> if you had every last piece of the Holy Spirit's anointing on you, ta-da, right? And he walks around and he heals what you see in the Old Testament. He resurrects what you see in the Old Testament. Well, raised from the dead kind of resurrection. Uh, multiplies food. Most of the things that you see Jesus do, you can find in the Old Testament. There are some moments, and I'm not sure fully what to do with this yet, but there are some moments where Jesus seems to go possibly beyond what the Holy Spirit would do in their thinking. For example, when he walks on water, the disciples are recorded to say, like, they worshipped him. <laughs> like, clearly when they saw Jesus walk on water, they started to realize this was not just an average human being, that this was God himself. So there's a possibility that there are, like, these very key moments where you see God kind of like being revealed. But for the most part, the Bible keeps trying to illustrate if you had the Holy Spirit fully empowered upon you, you would look and do the things that Jesus do, does. You would look like Jesus and you would do the things that he does. And so he becomes an example. And he tells the church like right before he leaves, he's like, I'm not leaving you guys as orphans, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And once I get there to heaven, I'm going to say, Dad, <laughs> they need the Spirit. Can you send them down there? And he'll do it. And so God does. And this is something that I wish I would have known for like a good 20 years of my life when I could have been asking the Holy Spirit to grow more inside of me of these things and, and teach me how to walk closer with him because uh, that's asking Jesus to walk closer with you. The Bible often just substitutes the Holy Spirit for the Spirit of Jesus, which is the idea, like, again, it's, it's all God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all the same. So Jesus sends his own Spirit to walk with us, to teach us, to grow us, to empower us to do things. And that becomes a, a place that, um, that I want to live in. Not because I want supernatural powers, right? Because I want to serve God and, and do whatever he calls me to do. I, I want people when they say they're sick for me to say, well, you know, I'd love to pray for you and see what happens. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it'd be great for the doctor. Look, No, I mean, I want you to not have cancer in the next five minutes. Like that sounds crazy to us because we can't do that. But God can. And sometimes it seems like you see specific anointings for very specific things like that where someone might think Heidi Baker, she was told that she would see deaf ears opened. Like that was a specific kind of healing for her. She's out in Mozambique and she's like, okay, I had this prophetic word, I'd see deaf ears open. So she prays for every deaf person that she comes across. Um, and she's like, I think she writes in her book, she's like, none of them got healed, but all of them got saved. <laughs> like, well, it's a bad day for Heidi Baker. Just everyone got saved, right? Uh, but she keeps praying. She keeps going through Mozambique, through the slums, praying for people. And suddenly, deaf ear opens up. And suddenly, this starts happening on a regular basis. To the point that they build this repertoire that, hey, we're going to go to villages across Mozambique. We're going to ask for all their deaf to come forward. We're going to pray for them. And again, it takes a while to ask for the deaf to come forward because... They can't hear you. But you'll stay up there and you're like, bring us your deaf. If there's a deaf person, why are you all laughing? This is truth, okay? They'll call them forward. 
And so the deaf people will finally, word gets around them, they come up, and she speaks in their ear until they speak the same words that she's saying. And the whole village will be like, we know Tony. <laughs> Tony, can't, Tony can't hear, and he's clearly hearing now. And suddenly they'll all be like, this Jesus is real. And they'll all get saved. That's what I want 1208 to be like. <laughs> I, I want to do what Jesus did, not for the sake, again, of my own attention. And man, you can do that. Um, this is part of the reason a lot of people don't even trust this, is because there's a lot of bad characters out there who are the ones doing this kind of stuff, whether they fall into moral re, uh, lapse or they um, just kind of become showy with it, things like that. Look, this is hard to understand, but God often, when he gives a gift, he doesn't necessarily take it away just because we're doing bad things. He can give a gift and empower the person with this regardless of how they're going to live the rest of their life. Bible actually, in my opinion, shows that you can have power uh, gifts from God and use it inappropriately. Like when Jesus' disciples want to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did and Jesus rebukes them, which is a word usually used against demons. Get that demonic thinking, get that satanic thinking out of your mind. That's not how we use power. He doesn't tell them, no, guys, it's silly. You can't do that. No, he rebukes them. That's not how we use power, you guys. So there does even seem to be this level of being granted the ability to do things and God entrusting you, just like he entrusts you with everything else that you would consider a physical thing, God entrusting you with supernatural authority to use that correctly as well. Um, so, big overview, Old Testament, there were occasional people who were these souped-up human beings with power and authority to do things that human beings cannot do. And everyone understood if you had that, it's because God's Holy Spirit had rested upon you. Jesus comes along, shows us if you had all the gifts, this is what redeemed humanity would look like living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, where all these gifts would be played out in its fullness with this new earth that's being redeemed ahead of us. Jesus ascends into heaven, says, Dad, send him the Spirit. At Pentecost, it's poured out. Everybody who follows Jesus is turned into this souped-up human being in all different kinds of gifts. Not to be jealous of the other gifts that other people have, but to know, like, I'm going to hope and pray for more giftings because God could do that if he wants, but I'm going to be happy with the giftings I'm given, and I'm going to live those out in the way that he's called me to, whether it seems more natural like generosity or it seems more supernatural like tongues. And these things, like, this is the era that we live in right now. This stuff didn't stop right at Pentecost. The prophecy of Joel was it would come, it would stay, it wouldn't be temporary, and we would continue to live in this moment. Okay, so Saturday is 12 hours of more of this. <laughs> I don't know if I just sold you on that or made it <laughs> made it sound terrible. But we have nine different classes offered on all different kinds of these giftings. Uh, I can't cover it all right now. I wrote a 600-page book on this. Like, I, It took me 600 pages just to try to communicate this. 
And then uh, um, there's just a lot to say and a lot of questions to ask and a lot of answers to find. Uh, but my life, this is one of the things that drove me to be a pastor was I didn't find this growing up and I wanted the people in the church to know about it and um, to not know about it in a crazy, just like experiential off the rails kind of way, but to know about it in a, here's what the Bible says. I would like to give you the space to experience the spirit like this and to continue to move in that direction. And it's changed my life forever. And the people that I've seen embrace it rather than kind of be freaked out about it and run away, I've seen their lives change forever. And one of the things that changed forever, when you cast a demon out of someone and you just watch this spiritual being and another person terrified of Jesus, <laughs> like that'll increase your faith right Amen. there. It's like I'm talking to something that I don't even understand and it's not afraid of much but you bring up Jesus and it just gets super mad like these are moments that will change your life forever I've seen it twice Maisha's doing it every week these days Uh, (laughs) um, but like these are the ways that God grows us and he expects us to want more of his spirit The Bible doesn't say, like, you just get baptized in the Holy Spirit and that's the end of it. It actually says, like, keep on drinking the Holy Spirit. Don't just have one drink and call it good, but ask for more, be filled, and continue to do things. And on Saturday, man, we're just going to, the end of the night, we just have a prayer team's going to be ready to just pray for people, for outpouring, for more, and just, I'm excited to see what happens. And it's totally Methodist. The Methodist movement started the same way. John Wesley would be out preaching and people would just fall to the ground. (laughs) Uh, He'd have prophetic words come to him that like he didn't know if it was his thought or God's thought. He'd call it out. Sure enough, it was God's thought. Someone would respond to it. He raised the dead on Christmas one time. He cast out demons other times. I mean, most of the spiritual gifts that you see throughout the Bible, at some point in the Methodist stream, you see it addressed in the very early days of just John Wesley. Um, So it's, It's not just scripture, it's tradition, it's experience, and it's reasonable. It may seem unreasonable to the rational mind, but if you put it in the light of who God is, it's very reasonable. You missed one. Hmm? I said you missed one. No, I just did it out of order. Scripture, tradition, reason, experience. There you go. Clock tower. (laughs) I took a whole class on this method. As corny as that clock tower might be, that is actually an incredible teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm totally lost. Quadrilateral. Quadrilateral. Is it a rhombus? Can it be a rhombus? The Wesleyan rhombus. I actually love it, though. I've, I've brought the Holy Spirit into that light. What do I understand from him scripturally? What do I understand from my tradition? What do I understand from him reasonably? And then what can I understand from him from my experience? Why do I put the experience last? Because I've seen what people do when they put the experience of the Holy Spirit first. They become a little crazy. <laughs> and you start saying a lot of things that are not biblical at all just because it matches up with the weird things that have happened to you. And weird things will happen to you when you start to follow this. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I talked a lot. Today I'm just basically giving you theology on this. Uh, 
there's a lot more to go on Saturday if you're joining us. You can come for free if you're not already signed up. You can come for 15 bucks if you want to pay us. Uh, whatever the case may be, I highly encourage you to go. If you're not working, it will be very good for you. Um, but questions? Yeah. So Saturday, like, if we need to come and go, is I'd rather you come and go than not come at all. Yeah. How's it working? Like, is it like all like? Because I know there's different speakers. Yep. So there's going to be a session in the morning of music, and then I'm preaching. Be a breakout. There's nine different breakouts during three different sessions. So you'll have three to choose from each time. Each one's an hour and a half. They're that long, though, because one, it takes a while to teach you about these things, uh, but then you'll have questions to ask, and there's probably going to be some moments to experience, too. Okay, we've learned about prophecy. Now let's try it out. <laughs> you know, That makes people uncomfortable, but honestly, that's how you start learning. Hey, take a second. This is how I started learning. My, uh, Ken Brewer, who will be there, would never let me get away with just learning about it. I always had to do it. So he's like, all right. And a few of us did this at the, his last thing, too. Close your eyes. Pray the nicest prayer you can for this person. See what comes to your head. All right, now turn to your neighbor and tell them what came to your head. See if it's true. And a lot of people will be like, yeah, that's totally what I'm going through. And you're like, wait, did I just prophesy? <laughs> like that, that's prophecy at its very finest is just hearing God and speaking it to someone else. That's it. Don't, don't have to get weird and up in their face and take your clothes off and dance around like that's not that's not what the bible's calling every, every time <laughs> uh, yeah other questions oh and then there will be a night session which will be worship and then Stephen Halaki um, will preach but then the worship will be lengthy for the purpose of exactly what I was talking about earlier I find God shows up when we just create a throne for him to sit on with our words, as the Bible says, uh, seated on our praises. Uh, and during that time, there will be a prayer team willing to just pray for anyone and for more of the Holy Spirit to come into their lives and, and continue to grow. Wait, is that Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Yep. And I can see in many of your eyes right now, it <laughs> sounds weird and scary, I don't want to do it. I was the same way. I stayed away from Brewer for like a good year. I was like, if I get too close to him, he'll know my whole life and tell me. <laughs> that was my legitimate fear. Uh, and then I found when I actually just went up and said, hey, I need to learn this. Uh, he's just the kindest, nicest person I'd ever seen. I find that people do that with me sometimes. Like if I just pray a normal prayer for them, like, oh, spirit just showed up and I didn't feel it did you <laughs> like it's like I don't mean to like give this impression like I always hear it or I'm just always moved I just I'm open I'm open uh, other questions anything on tonight that sounded confusing or blasphemous <laughs> those things I always like to clear up oh, I have a question. something confusing and blasphemous did, that, did uh, Ken Brewer know your whole life no, you didn't. No. No, he didn't. <laughs> Not the first time. The second time. <laughs> he knew my whole life once I pretty much told him my whole life as I got to know him. Oh, if you go see him, like, I was there for five seconds and I just started crying. I was like, what? Yeah, it happened. I mean, I remember one morning 
I was like, I got to get more disciplined in my spiritual life. So I made a checklist. Here's all the things I'm going to do every day. I went and just like received prayer at small group from him that night. He's like, God, would Jamin just not be a checklist to you? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it was like five hours ago, man. <laughs> it was like, and for him, like he didn't even know. I was like, did you know? He's like, I was just praying. You know, like this is often the way the spirit moves. It takes time to discern like what's you, what's God. Other questions, thoughts? prayers how many of you are more familiar with this front of things a little bit how many of you had a bad experience with these things (laughs) (laughs) how many of you this is normal -er to you okay and some of you raising your hands too like you're not psychos, so like, <laughs> look around the room. See the people raising their hands. There is a level of experience with the Holy Spirit where it doesn't make you crazy. Uh, real quick, what are some of the like normal ways? I just want to know, like, you feel God's gifted you, and you don't learn these through spiritual gifts tests because those only test you on what you think you're good at, and a lot of times you have gifts that you didn't know you had because you never tried it. I don't have the gift of prophecy. Well, did you ever try to prophesy? I have not. Well, then of course you don't know. <laughs> Do you have the gift of healing? I don't know. I never prayed for anyone to be healed before. Well, of course. So, in your experience, a few of them. Just let me hear them. Just curious. Prophecy. Prophecy. Yeah. I guess you could say prophecy, but it'd be more like prayer, which is really interesting for me because I feel very uncomfortable talking to people I don't know. But the, like, small amount of times where I've really felt like I need to say this to this person, it usually turns out that it was something that I needed to hear. Yeah. Or, like, you prayed for it. Yeah. And see, you feel like a weirdo saying that's prophecy, but that's <laughs> the definition. I think God said this. I speak it out. That's all it is. It's not craziness, right? Anything else? Healing. Healing. Healing and demons. <laughs> I don't think demons is. Uh, see, uh, the discernment of spirits is, uh, which may feed into the deliverance of them as well. Because you can't deliver demons without the Holy Spirit as evidenced by the naked guys in X. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of the people that have seen a lot of people do things and have never been able to capably do anything. <laughs> Wait, what? Good. <laughs> I've seen people pros- prophesy before and at work. I've seen people heal people. I've seen demons be cast out. And I've seen, sat there and gone... I'm going to do it, and I try things, and it doesn't, doesn't happen. No. The good news is that you are not so special that you have no spiritual gifts. Woo! And I hope on Saturday you will begin to discover some of them. That was kind of like sentence. I'm stealing it from Brewer. Because a lot of people, including myself, be like, I just don't have any. He's like, oh, you're so special that God didn't give you any. <laughs> okay, I get your point. <laughs> not saying it don't have any. Yeah, I know. It's the uncovering them that takes time. I'm kind of the same way because it's only happened to me like a small number of times. Mm. Um, But like I've had it happen to me from somebody else personally a lot. And so I felt that way for a long time. Like I don't think I could do that, but it's awesome. Well, I find that they grow the more you practice it too. Just like your musicianship would grow if you played piano. Uh, Even... 
I think there's a possibility that worship leading could be a spiritual gift only because I've experienced it where it's not there. <laughs> and uh, um, I think, like, okay, does a person only get good at their instrument and what they're doing simply by um, just getting on stage and picking it up? I would say no, absolutely not. They had to grow every time they did it until, hey, look, this thing's truly gifting. Yeah. So I don't know if this is like technically what the name of it is, but like the gift of empathy. Yeah. So this is one that like you wouldn't find in the Bible, but man, I've met these people. We had one on our prayer team for a while. I'd look over there and he's bawling his eyes out while the person receiving the prayer is just like, what's happening? Because <laughs> this person, just every time you go to pray for them, he would just feel everything they're feeling yeah. and just couldn't. What? Intercession. Yeah, intercession. They just couldn't, like, get the feeling off of them. Oh, my God. But that could be helpful. Brewer told me about a story once where he was in church service. Someone, like, stood up, like, I just have this burning in my stomach. Does anyone else have that? Someone else like, it's me. It's like, well, get it off of me. Like, Let's pray for each other. Hey, going, going back to the thing instruments and gifts. I mean, you could make a case for that when you look at the Old Testament. Besides yeah. even just David. You got mm. the walls of Jericho. Like, what was the point of them going around? Not just the screaming part. Terrifying. But he told them to play their instruments, too. Like, so there, you can't deny that there's something spiritual happening when people engage in worship. I definitely... Even the, the ones in the New Testament, the prophets, it said that they had cymbals. Yep. They were playing their cymbals or their tambourines or whatever. So I think there's a good case for it. I feel that way with there's totally. a lot of, so I don't know if it's just because I'm an artistic person too, but like a lot of works of art, I like can almost like feel the Holy Spirit like just like dwelling almost like it's while I'm I totally agree with that. Because again, I've seen art where it's like, whoa, and then I've seen Christian t shirts. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sprite, spirit. I don't even have to explain that one. All right. Um, I know there's plenty more that you could talk about, but I've been talking too long. So feel free to use the time that we have left to do it, but let me pray for you. And if even in this moment you would like to receive more of the Holy Spirit or open yourself to what he's going to do on Saturday, consider just putting your hands out like you're receiving a gift. And God, I just pray um, over us right now, even in this moment, I I wonder if I sense your presence uh, even now in this moment. Would you come and bring that gifting that only you can bring? We're not looking for the giftings of false spirits, of demons, of giants, of anything else that tries to masquerade as you. We're just looking for you, Holy Spirit. The one spirit that we are given and the superior spirit because he is God. Not only have you created us, but you've empowered us. And I pray for those here right now who have had giftings and haven't, uh, haven't uh, known about them or haven't noticed them yet. I pray right now you start connecting dots 
in their heads that they would start to look at their life and be like, oh, I didn't even notice the way that these were all connecting. Maybe I need to practice that more. I pray right now you just bring those thoughts to their mind. I also just pray, God, that you would... uh, um, that you would pour out new giftings, that some would begin to experience it even tonight. God, we want to be open to you. We want to, um, we want to experience you, not just to know you as what the Bible says, which is great in the first place we turn, but we want to know you like the prophets did, be able to hear you speak and be like, hey, that was God. Keep us humble while we do it. A lot of people lose their minds in this. But God, if, if many of these elements we talked about in past weeks are about fantasy that once was in the Bible long ago, this today is a fantasy element that continues into today. We are not left alone. We are not orphans. You are still here as your spirit with us. Let us live into that, breathe that, and let our lives and the lives around us be changed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't have copies of my book, but I have audio codes upon audio codes for Audible. So if you're still like, I just don't know where this is in the Bible, the reason it's 600 pages is because it's me showing you (laughs) where it is in the Bible almost too much. Uh, And then I have PDFs of that and a shorter one that uh, is me trying to say 600 pages in 100. So... If anyone would like that, codes are already up on the Discord, but I'll put more up. If you don't have it on there, you can join us, or just ask me. I'll write it down for you. Uh, the Rush and the Rest, and then Fantasy IRL is a short one. And if you want it in fiction form, The Rise of the Water Kingdom, I have audiobooks for that. So, not that this is fiction. I Never mind. I've, he has a piece of fiction that... Allegorically, yes. Tries to explain this. Okay, thanks everyone.